Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Jesus' life is spiraling downhill. Well, I mean, if we were considering it from a purely naturalistic, this world is all there is kind of perspective. And it's sometimes easy for us to do that with our lives, too. Kind of like we will hear about Peter today, which, in my humble opinion, is one of the most moving little bits in the whole Bible. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, which is part of our journey together, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself Monday through Saturday, God's mind in print, and consider our own life and work stories in light of that. My friends, our stories are often bogged down in noise and pain and busy, and it's easy to lose the path sometimes. Sometimes for a little while, sometimes for a long while. And today, I hope to lift you up above the fray, or more accurately, have Scripture do that, to catch a bigger picture view. Luke chapter 22, picking up in verse 39. He went out and made his way, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not fall into temptation. And then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from the prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, suddenly a mob came, and one of the twelve named Judas was leading them. He came near Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? <laughs> that Even that line right there, my friends. Are you betraying me with an act of love, of an act of greeting? Hmm. When those around him saw what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike him with the sword? Then one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus responded, No, more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal? Every day while I was with you in the temple... You never laid a hand on me, but this is your hour and that of the dominion of darkness. They seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. 
Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, This man was with him too. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, This man was certainly with him, since he is also a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. I don't know why I promised myself that I will read that without choking up. My friends, Jesus is... Look. I just think of Peter. Peter who... makes eye contact. It doesn't say that word. It doesn't say that explicitly in the text. But just hang with me here for a second. Remember, this is the Peter that says, to whom else we would, would we go? Peter has experienced perfect love, perfect friendship. And yet, he just gave in to temptation. He just betrayed his perfect friend, the perfect friend. And I don't know what Jesus' look was. I mean, some people might think it was accusing or pitying. I think it was just one of understanding. Like, not even like I told you so, but like, I know who you are, Peter, but I, I love you anyway. At least one commentator points out that it is this moment that is Peter's metanoia, his turning back, his turning around. And it is this repentance that differentiates his betrayal of Jesus from that of Judas. For Peter, there is still a future. And my friends, for you and me, there is still a future. I'm just going to 
turn back to our Old Testament segment, we're closing in on the latter part of Moses' second speech, picking up in verse or in chapter 23. And um, we're just going to read. No man whose testicles have been crushed or whose penis has been cut off may enter the Lord's assembly. No one of illegitimate, illegitimate birth may enter the Lord's assembly. None of his descendants, even to the 10th generation, may enter the Lord's assembly. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the Lord's assembly. None of their descendants, even to the 10th generation, may ever enter the Lord's assembly. This is because they did not meet you with food and water on your journey after you came out of Egypt. And because Balaam, son of Beor, from Pathor in Aram Naharaim, was hired to curse you. Yet the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but he turned to curse turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. Never pursue their welfare or prosperity as long as you live. I'm just going to say that again. Never pursue their welfare or prosperity as long as you live. Did not despise the Edomite because he is your brother. Did not despise an Egyptian because you were a resident alien in his land. The children born to them in the third generation may enter the Lord's assembly. Cleanliness in the camp. When you are encamped against your enemies, be careful to avoid anything offensive. Did I just say that in the past tense? You and me just hanging here today. When you are encamped against your enemies, be careful to avoid anything offensive. If there is a man among you who is unclean because of a bodily omission during the night, he must go outside the camp. He may not come anywhere inside the camp. When evening approaches, he's to wash with water and the sun, when the sun sets, he may come inside the camp. You are to have a place outside the camp and go there to relieve yourself. You are to have a digging tool in your equipment. And when you relieve yourself, dig a hole with it and cover up your excrement for the Lord, your God walks throughout your camp. <laughs> I just don't as uh, moved. <laughs> I still got tears in my eyes. My friends, I, I know sometimes we read this stuff and it's weird. But would you want anything except a, a Jesus worth following who knows real? Do you want any do you want something that's not real? I mean, here Moses is being practical, talking to these Israelites who are getting ready to cross into the promised land, and he doesn't get to cross in, right? And this is quite an image, right? What's the point? I mean, the point is that, is that God takes sin seriously, and he says, be holy like I am holy. He says, be pure, pursue purity. And that's on the inside, of course, but, you know, <laughs> you are to have a digging tool in your equipment. And when you relieve yourselves, 
dig a hole with it and cover up your excrement. For the Lord your God walks throughout your camp to protect you and deliver your enemies to you, so your encampments must be holy. You must not see he must not see anything indecent among you, or he will turn away from you. Fugitive slaves, do not return a slave to his master when he has escaped from his master to you. Let him live among you wherever he wants within your city gates. Do not mistreat him. Cult prostitution forbidden. No Israelite woman is to be a cult prostitute and no Israelite man is to be a cult prostitute. Do not bring a female prostitute's wages or a male prostitute's wages or earnings into the house of the Lord your God to fulfill any vow because both are detestable to the Lord your God. Interest on loans. Do not charge your brother interest on silver food or anything he can that can earn interest. You may charge a foreigner interest, but you are not to charge your brother interest so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything you do in the land you are entering to possess. Keeping vows. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to keep it because he will require it of you and it will be counted against you as sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, it will not be counted against you as sin. Be careful to do whatever comes from your lips because you have freely vowed what you promised to the Lord your God. Neighbors Crops When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat as many grapes as you want until you are full, but do not put any in your container. When you enter your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck heads of grain with your hand, but do not put a sickle to your neighbor's grain. My friends, nowadays we would think of that as theft, as in you don't get to steal my watermelon. But what was the context here, right? Remember that not only was hospitality in the ancient Near East a really big deal, right? But there is this, in a sense, obligation to feed the hungry. Putting some into your container and taking it home with you, that would be stealing your neighbor's grapes, right? But if your neighbor's hungry, feed him. Chapter 24, Marriage and Divorce Laws. If a man marries a woman, but she becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he may write her a divorce certificate, hand it to her, and send her away from his house. If, after leaving his house, she goes and becomes another man's wife, and the second man hates her, writes her a divorce certificate, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house, or if he dies, the first husband who sent her away may not marry again after she has been defiled, because that would be detestable to the Lord." You must not bring guilt on the land your God is giving you as an inheritance. When a man takes a bride, he must not go out with the army or be liable for any duty. He is, to, he is free to stay at home for one year so that he can bring joy to the wife he married. Hmm, I love that. Safeguarding life. Do not take a pair of grindstones or even the upper millstone as security for debt because that is like taking a life as security. Okay, we're not going to get through near the level of reading that I wanted to get through today, but I just got to say this. If you think about economic systems, there is none that is perfect because they all depend on morality. I believe that capitalism 
uh, not only has the empirical data to support that it support that it creates human flourishing, unlike socialism and communism, but it is also because it leaves, in a sense, ownership or responsibility and opportunity for what how you support yourself, how you create human flourishing for those you're responsible for. Unlike the state taking over and making that decision for you. I'm going to read this passage again because it's under kind of this broad context. This is not the Bible's words, but the the heading in the CSB translation that I'm using. Safeguarding life. The passage, listen to this passage, right? As in, What is the context here with regard to someone's ability to provide for themselves and or those that they are responsible for? Do not take a pair of grindstones or even the upper millstone as security for a debt because that is like taking a life as security. If a man is discovered kidnapping one of his Israelite brothers, whether he treats him as a slave or sells him, the kidnapper must die. You must purge the evil from you. Be careful with a person who has a case of a serious skin disease, following carefully everything the Levitical priests instruct you to do. Be careful to do as I have commanded them. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the journey after you left Egypt. Consideration for people in need. When you make a loan of any kind to your neighbor, do not enter his house to collect what he offers as security. Stand outside while the man you are making the loan to brings the security out to you. If he is a poor man, do not sleep with the garment that he has given you as security. Be sure to return it to him at sunset. Then he will sleep sleep in it and bless you, and this will be counted as righteousness to you before the Lord your God. Do not oppress the hired worker who is poor and needy. Whether one of your Israelite brothers or the resident aliens in a town in your land. You are to pay him his wages each day before the sun sets because he is poor and depends on them. Otherwise, he will cry out to the Lord against you and you will be held guilty. Fathers are not to be put to death for their children and children are not to be put to death for their fathers. Each person will be put to death for his own sin. Do not deny justice to a resident alien or fatherless widow, and do not take a widow's garment as security. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this. When you reap the harvest in your field, and you forget a sheaf in the field, do not go back and get it. It is to be left for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you knock down the fruit from your olive tree. Do not go over the branches again. What remains will be there for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, do not glean what is left. What remains will be for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this. And that is... Chapters 23 and 24 in Deuteronomy. I'm going to wrap up with this, just a little additional commentary, largely because I scrolled down in my notes and uh, noticed a couple other little commentary pieces that I grabbed. So 
The word deny, as in what, um, what Peter did, is used in the New Testament as the polar opposite of the word confess. This is from Walter Liefeld's commentary. We are to confess, meaning acknowledge Christ, but deny ourselves, disown our private interests for the sake of Christ. And in that passage we read about Peter, here he does the reverse. He denies Christ in order to serve his own interests. I just thought that was kind of fascinating. Confess, deny is uh, kind of opposite. My friends, when Jesus looked at Peter, I know that you have had moments like that. That's why it strikes me. It's like, and I don't know if you have ever been betrayed. Probably every one of us has by a spouse, by a best friend. But I'm just going to encourage you to turn to Jesus again. There's a reason the Bible refers to David as a man after God's own heart. He got up one more time than he fell down. And it wasn't even him getting up, right? I'm just kind of using that as an illustration. It was that he turned, which is really the the meaning of repent. Metanoia means change of mind, change of direction. Lord God, thank you that you bless us with peace and patience and kindness and wisdom and understanding and a whole bunch of things we don't always use very well. Lord, bless the person listening today. Bless the person that prays for this ministry. Bless the person that gives two mites, two pennies, so that we can share this free of charge. We love you, Lord, and I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.